So I don't, I, I don't have time for another two and a half hour episode. Just letting you know. Just letting you know. I don't have time to talk for another two and a half hours today. But whenever I talk about anything, like the next day or two days later, I always get other thoughts about it that I wish I had said. But I was thinking about, you know, I kept saying peoples. Yesterday, I kept saying gay peoples. I've never understood that. I've never understood people versus peoples. I think I could under. I think I could break it down. I don't know if this is why people do it, but I can kind of understand it. Where apparently this, I don't know how true this is, but something I heard years ago was that the name of every tribe in the world, or most of them, translates in their own language to the people. And, uh, you know, with that in mind, if like, if each tribe is a people, all the tribes together are peoples, but just say people, just say people. Cause what I have to say is I've never heard a single person I like say peoples. You sound really stupid when you say it, not intellectually stupid, just phonetically stupid. That's something people don't talk about. There's some things where they're not actually stupid intellectually. Like, you wouldn't accuse that person of lacking a brain. You wouldn't accuse that person of lacking a brain. But it's phonetically stupid. And I've talked about words a lot on here, how there's some words that just, I hate the sound of them. And it's been true my entire life. And I've compared notes with people. And some of my, some of my friends feel the exact same way. I'm not sure why. Because it's not even about the thing it's referring to. Because you could use a synonym, you could use another word that's used for that, and it doesn't bother me at all. But there's certain words that they just sound so stupid, phonetically stupid to me, that I just can't deal with them. And peoples, when you put that S, it's funny how just an S. But yeah, I think it's a situation where I was thinking about that that phrase, that word, because I don't use it. I used it yesterday, obviously, I, I found humor in it. But I really, yeah, you know, every single person I've ever heard say peoples, the peoples, I hate it. I hate the way that sounds. And I, and I usually don't like where that person's coming from either. I don't know why that is. Something about it rubs me the wrong way, but it's kind of like physiognomy. I was talking about that the other day. I talk about it a lot on here, but I don't normally use that phrase. I think I pronounced it physiognomy. Are you talking about physiognomy? I don't know what the true pronunciation is. So many words I've only read, and I don't know how to pronounce them, but I think it's physiognomy. But kind of like how there's physiognomy, where I'm a firm believer in physiognomy, that certain people are predisposed to certain trends and behaviors and all sorts of things. And it's not necessarily, it's not strictly ethnic. Like I was saying, like wiggers. I don't think that all wiggers come from one ethnic group. Like they're all white, obviously. But I don't think they all come from the same heritage. Like, oh, if you're half German, half Irish, you're more likely to be a Wigger. Although they say that schizophrenia comes from Ireland. I've heard that. I've heard that they've traced back the origins of schizophrenia to Ireland. It's an Irish disease. You know how the uh, you know how coronavi was the the Chinese flu, the China virus. Well, schizophrenia, it's, it's the, the Irish disease. 
And there's a lot, there's maybe not a lot, I don't want to go too far out here, but in my life, you know, I'm talking about wiggers again because it's an important subject to me, but they're, uh, I think I've mentioned it on here before even, like every once in a while you'll come across a schizophrenic wigger, like that guy pulling his pants down by the elementary school that I, I called in on Father's Day. He was probably a schizophrenic wigger. He was a wigger for sure. He was homeless for sure. I bet a lot of these schizophrenic wiggers that I've noticed... Or, or, or I bet, like, a lot of these homeless wiggers that I've noticed are probably schizophrenic or something. Maybe they're Irish. Maybe, maybe, I wonder if all schizophrenic wiggers are Irish. But anyway, with, like, with physiognomy, like, when I say, like, certain faces are predisposed to becoming wiggers, I don't know that those faces come from one European ethnic background. I think that many different ethnic backgrounds can produce faces that are predisposed to wiggers. And it's not because they have the face. Correlation is not causation. When somebody has that face that predisposes them to becoming a wigger, that's, the face doesn't cause them to do that. The face is a symptom. You know, the episode last night was symptoms of the suck. Well, your face is a symptom of other things going on with you. That's what physiognomy is. Physiognomy is... The way you look is a symptom of who you are. But along with physiognomy, there's sort of a voice version of that for me. And certain voices, I feel like, are predisposed to certain behaviors and beliefs. And it's a chicken and the egg thing. Like with faces, it's a little less chicken and the egg. But with voices, it's hard for me to tell. Because there's certain voices that develop in certain groups. And the one, I noticed this as a kid... Because there were obvious things, like going back to wiggers, wiggers talked a certain way, but they were emulating something. They were trying to sound like black men. But the one that I noticed early that I, I've always wondered about, and I still don't know, is nerd voice. Like, nerds have a certain voice, a certain intonation, a certain, I was going to call it a rhythm, but I think it's a lack of rhythm. Nerds have rhythmless voices, not even just monotonous, although that's a part of it, but they, it's sort of this like fake flat effect. And I've known girls with this too. I worked with a girl. I really liked her. You know, this isn't, I'm not, this isn't a dig at, at nerds. I do, I'll do plenty of that later. But uh, this, this itself isn't a dig. It's just something I've noticed about them and it does annoy me. But I wouldn't want them to change either. That's an important distinction. It does annoy me, but I wouldn't want them to change. That's kind of how I feel about nerd voice. And I started to notice that, like, the kids I knew, and I was friends with a bunch of nerds. You know, I played video games, you know, I played RPGs, like, nerdy video. Like, the only video games I played were after Super Nintendo were just nerdy RPGs. And, uh... Some, you know, some of the nerdy guys I was friends with in school, junior high and high school, very funny guys, great guys. Very funny guys, great guys. But some of them, just the ones, especially the ones who were more into video games, the ones who were more, not just video games, the ones, the ones who, who were just more into quote unquote nerd culture, they kind of took on this voice. And I don't know if they always had it, you know, because if you grew up with these people, you, you might have, it might have, the development might have been so subtle, you didn't notice it. But what, it, what it's like is, it's almost like they're doing a really bad Janine Garofalo impression. Because I noticed this when 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 Janine when Janine Garofalo got famous. 
people loved the way she sounded. You know, she had this sort of flat affect, this sort of like deliberate monotone, like the way she would respond, this this sarcasm. And I don't like, see, that's the thing. I love facetiousness, not big on sarcasm. I don't think sarcasm is that funny. I don't know where sarcasm got this reputation for being witty or funny, but it's sarcasm is not witty or funny because sar- the difference between sarcasm and facetiousness is sarcasm. Sarcasm, it it exaggerates. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Okay. Okay. That'd be great. (laughs) Oh, well, that's cool. million other examples. But it just exaggerates. It's like you're saying the opposite of what you mean in an exaggerated way. That's sarcasm. We, we all know that. But facetiousness is more... You can do a lot more with facetiousness. It's not, it's, it's, it's not just like saying the opposite in a really exaggerated way. Saying the opposite of what you feel in an exaggerated way. Um, but nerds, they really leaned into the sarcasm thing. And I don't know if they actually think it's funny or if it just kind of became their language. But they all started, and, and I don't think they were even into Janine Garofalo. Because it's not like she invented it. But when I think of Janine Garofalo, I think of like seeing her on TV as a kid. I have no beef with her. I don't really have any thoughts whatsoever, except for these ones. But she, uh, I, you know, you would just see her here and there. And it would always be like, like I saw a show where she played a, wait, a waitress. I think she was like a guest on a sitcom, maybe Friends. I don't know what it was. And she was the waitress. And like the people were being stupid and obnoxious who were ordering the food. And she was like, um... Okay, you know, I, I couldn't even, I couldn't tell you what her line was. But it was just this like really blatant, over the top sarcasm, but stated subtly in like a monotone way. And I noticed that like the nerds, by, by high school, this nerd voice had developed where they all talked that way. Um, okay, I, guess, see, I can't even come up with the sort of things they say. It's just not the sort of stuff I think. But I always wondered about that. I was like a chicken in the egg. Like, I'm like, would these kids have sounded that way anyway? If they never discovered nerd culture, like if these guys were jocks, would they have still talked that way? And why don't you see jocks who talk that way? You know, or, or did they like, did they have that voice naturally and that made them, that was part of their gravitation to nerd culture. Like they felt like these people speak like me or did nerd culture cause them to talk that way? And uh, I don't have an answer. I think maybe a little bit of both. Yeah, that, that's my answer. A little bit of both. I learned, I learned something myself here. It's a little bit of both. But I, I hear it a lot with uh, guys on the left. Where there, there's that, that obnoxious, I mean, it's really bad. Like, I can deal, like, nerd voice is fine. I'm glad I don't talk that way. And I think that, like, blunt, dull sarcasm it, I don't know. I don't like to talk to people who are into that, but it doesn't really bother me. But the, the voice of like the modern leftist male is terrible. It is hard to listen to. It's, there's, there's an upspeak to it with, it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's a little bit effeminate with upspeak and lots of swearing, but poorly placed swearing, overemphasized swearing. That's something I've noticed about it. 
Because it used to be like swearing was, was made you a baddest. Swearing used to make you a baddest. It used to be like a tough thing, like you're breaking the rules because you're saying those words you're not supposed to say. But I started to notice liberals got started to get really into swearing. And I noticed this years ago, and I think I, I remember talking to Miles or someone about it. And I started to notice that other people have picked up on it. I'm not crazy. And I think I talked about it on here a, a couple, a year ago, like where... I don't know if it was the CDC, it was some sort of institution, maybe the college itself, put up these pro-vac signs at a college, and they said, take the fucking vaccine. And that's a good example of the, the emphasis on swearing that I'm talking about, where there's something about the modern liberal mind, the younger liberal mind, like under 40 maybe, where they like to be like, take the fucking vaccine. They don't sound like that. Take the I can't even do it. See, the thing is, I can't do these voices very well. As much as I like to do voices, these are voices I don't, I don't practice these. Because wh where those like silly New York Southern sort of accents came from is like, I used to do those alone at home. Before I was doing every night to school night, I started to do those alone at home and they would make me laugh. Like I would just be at home doing whatever. And I would just like come up with a phrase in my head. And I would just like say it out loud in, you know, like a New York accent or a Southern accent. I was like, that makes it funny to me. Not to, not to explain the science behind the magic, but that was just kind of how that came about. It wasn't just for this. It was that I used to do that by myself. Not always, not when I was a kid. Like it just started when I was like my twenties, I guess. But, uh, I don't practice like nerd voice and I don't practice modern male liberal voice. But the swearing is a weird one, and other people have noticed it. I've actually read a few things online where people are like, have you noticed this, this use of swearing? It's almost like a kid who just learned curse words, and they don't know how to, they don't know how to ease them into a conversation. Like, if you're around, like, I don't want to say just blue-collar guys, but they're a good example. Like, if you've worked in a warehouse or done a labor job, and there's, like, blue-collar guys there, the way they swear, it just kind of, it, it's just like air, it's just like a, like, a, like, a, like a small little burst of air in the conversation where they're like, yeah, I'm going to the fucking... And they actually, like, they don't... It, it just kind of, like, slides in there. Yeah, we, we had to go to the fucking uh, mechanic. Yeah, we had to go to the fucking mechanic. I had to take my car into the fucking shop. But it, it's just in there. And you don't question it. It just sounds right. But I've noticed with, with the modern liberals, especially, I noticed especially among men, but women do it as well, is like, we had to take our car to the fucking mechanic. But, but in this upspeak way, that's really grating. And when I saw this ad, this pro-vac pro ad at a college that did that, I was like, first of all, it's insane to me that they're using a curse word. Like, curse all you want. I'm not offended by curse words. As I've said before, I'm trying to do less of it. Over the years, I've tried to do less of it. Over the last five years or so, I've just kind of told myself, swear a little less. You'll still swear, and, it, and it's fine. It's not that swearing is a sin. Not to me, at least. But I don't, you know, it should just be like a little bit of pepper in there. And that's how, like, yeah, like blue-collar guys do it. It's just a little bit of pepper in there. Like, oh, I don't want to deal with this fucking shit. And the, the modern liberal says... Punch a fucking Nazi in the fucking face. And they all go, yeah, dude. They like it. Somehow they like the way that sounds. And it sounds stupid. Phonetically stupid. 
But what I'm getting at here with the, the physiognomy, I mean, language plays into this, obviously. Like, people's word choices are a part of this. But really, I'm just talking about this, the way the voice sounds. Like, nerd voice, it's not even about the content of what they're saying. There's just a nerd voice that developed. And just to cap the nerd voice thing off before I spiral, my question was just always, like, did this come from nerd culture? And if so, what part of it? Just other people? Because I don't feel like there was anybody famous. I don't feel like there was anybody in the public eye in the 90s. Because that's when I started to notice this. Like, there were old-school nerd voices. Like, when you saw nerds depicted in old movies and stuff, they sound weak and nerdy, but it's like they didn't have this voice. Whereas now, not only does the culture, not, not only do the peoples, the nerd peoples, not only do they uh, have this voice, but you also see it on shows and things that, are, that cater to nerds. And... But there was nothing like that when that developed. Like in the 90s, when I first started to notice that nerds had this voice, there was nothing that I know of. There was, there was nobody famous. There, was, there were no shows or movies or anything where they would have been taught this voice. But it developed, and I started to notice that all the freaking nerds had it. But I just don't know, you know, like I said, maybe it's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of chicken, a little bit of egg. But I just don't know where it originally came from and like where the consensus, because like the thing is, it doesn't sound cool. It doesn't sound cool because they're nerds and it shouldn't sound cool. I, I don't want nerds to sound cool. It's a tragedy that being nerdy became cool because it's not nerdy anymore. Like, like anybody who says today, like, I'm a nerd. Oh, dude, I'm such a nerd. You're not a nerd. That's just just mainstream. Oh, I mean, you'll still, you'll still meet people and they're like, I love Star Wars because I'm such a nerd. Star Wars isn't nerdy. Star Wars isn't nerdy anymore. There was a point in time where it was, but it's certainly not nerdy anymore. It's just fucking retarded. That's what you mean. When someone says, like, I'm such a nerd, in 2022, when someone says, I'm such a nerd because I love Star Wars, what they really mean is, I'm so retarded because I love Star Wars. And I love Star Wars, and I'm also retarded, so there you go. But no, like, if someone's still in, like, I'll always love growing up and being obsessed with Star Wars. I'll always love the original trilogy and all that, obviously. You know, I, I have to meet my Star Wars quota on this show. I have to bring up certain Star Wars analogies or references. But, uh, but when someone's like still enthusiastic about new Star Wars shit, and these, this applies to people I like, but it's true. I hate to say it, but it's true. But like, it, it's not like, I'm such a nerd because I like Star Wars in 2022. No, what they mean is, I'm freaking retarded. I'm freaking retarded because I like Star Wars. And that's going to become cool. Maybe that'll be the next thing. Now that nerd, nerddom has been mainstream for over a decade, maybe the next step is that like all these people will be like, I'm so retarded. When that word becomes unbanned, they'll start saying that. But anyway, uh, you know, some of it's like word choice, but for me, it's like it's like the physiognomy of the voice. And I guess it is kind of physical, you know, because it's a sound that your body is generating. But I wonder if it, if your voice predisposes you to certain things. Because I mean, I don't like it either when guys do a fake low voice. You know, you can always tell. If you're a guy, you can tell. You can always tell when a guy doesn't have a naturally low voice and is trying to sound lower. Teenage boys do it all the time. 
Because it's just like this grumble. And it's like, that's not your natural voice. So I don't like that either. I don't like it when guys like try to sound more masculine or macho than they are. But uh, there's something, though, about like the way certain people sound. And I just, I guess I wonder, like, for example, these like these liberal males who talk in this upspeak, this kind of feminized upspeak, like they almost sound like they're trying to impersonate a gay person, but they're not gay. And maybe that's just being around that all the time. I don't know what it is. Because I had a friend, and I like him, you know, I don't hang out with him anymore for various reasons, but I like him. I think he's a good human being. But uh, I started to notice, like, as, as like, like around, I don't know, some years back, I started to notice, like, the deeper and deeper he got into far leftism. And maybe that was who he was dating, because he was ruled by by this woman. But, you know, I started to notice that, like, as he got deeper and deeper into that, I started to notice, notice his voice got more and more like that. Like, it was a little bit like that to begin with, but it was like it really brought it out. And I remember hanging out with him at one point, and I remember thinking in my head, and I, I don't sit there and judge people. Like, even I overanalyze shit, and I come home, and I do this shit where I just like every thought about everything in the world. But when I'm with people, I don't sit there and judge them or anything, but sometimes just invasive thoughts come to you. And I was hanging out with this guy, and... and I was just like, is he trying to sound like he's gay? He's not. You know, I know he's not. And it'd be fine if he is. But uh, it, I was just like, it sounds like he's trying to impersonate a gay stereotype, but just isn't very good at it. Like upspeak, kind of a feminized tone. I don't know. And, and I noticed that a lot of guys who think that way, who believe that way, who are at least going through the motions of that shit, have started to sound that way. If that's their natural voice, that's their natural voice. Nobody should be judged for their voice. But uh, it just does make me wonder about, you know, does having, it's, it's the nerd question again, where it's like, does having a voice like that lend itself to being a leftist? There's definitely a correlation. There's 100% a correlation. I don't know if there's any causation or if that's a symptom. Again, maybe it's a symptom of other things. Something I'm going to think about more. But uh, on my walk, I was thinking about what I said the other day about transients and homeless and institutions. And, you know, I wasn't arguing in favor of institutions, but I was just saying, like, that seems to be one of the Republican solutions. Like, we need to bring back institutions. And then it's funny, though, because it's like what the left wants to do is like, like here we have a hobo hotel. It's a it's like a it's a building they designed to house homeless people. And, you know, it's kind of an institution. It's like the idea is we're going to give them shoebox apartments or something to, to stay in. And it's a nice gesture. I mean, I get that idea. You know, I get that. I totally get the idea of like, oh, one of the issues is these people are on the street. So let's give them a place to stay. But it's kind of an institution, too. But the difference with that is, you know, I know these hobo hotels, there's regulations, like sometimes you're not allowed to do drugs. But the one here, like a guy lit it on, he lit his room on fire because he was doing something, he was smoking meth or something and lit, lit the room on fire. And with some of these, you know, especially in cities like this and Seattle and Portland, like these, these hobo hotel sort of environments, they become a cesspool and they, they don't 
solve the issue necessarily. They become kind of like institutions. They become kind of like uh, institutions with no rules. And what's funny about that is like Republicans being like, we need to bring back institutions. It's like it's kind of a hobo hotel. And I think the word institutionalized and institutions and mental hospital and insane asylum, those have a very negative connotation, obviously. As long as I've been alive, I've only ever heard those brought up negatively. You hear about the horrors of them, and they were horrible. A lot of them. Where people were cruel. People were... um, People were very cruel, and they tortured people and tormented them, and these people lived sad and awful lives. I hate that. Why would I ever want that for anybody, no matter what their condition is? But I'm wondering if we can find a happy medium, you know? I'm wondering if we can find a happy medium. Like, maybe bring back institutions, but, uh, (laughs) you know, make sure people don't torture the people who live there. And maybe that already exists. Maybe I mean, I'm sure that exists in some capacity. Uh, but obviously, all these people on the street, like, I mean, there's not enough of them or, or something. I don't, I don't know. Uh, but uh, with with institutions, too, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just, you think about, like, some of the bad things that have happened at them, and there's a lot of stories. You know, there's a lot of stories. That's all I ever heard is how bad institutions were. But then you think about old folks' homes, and stories are always coming out about that. It seems like any time someone who isn't family is tasked with taking care of somebody or watching them and observing them, it seems like they're, there's a high chance, and maybe not super high, but there's a, a definite chance that that person will abuse them in some way. Like I think about that video that went viral where it was like this young, I don't know if you call him a nurse, I don't know what his official job or duties are, but he was like a young black man and his job was like looking after old people in senior homes. And he made a TikTok video of himself hitting the guy. He was abusing this guy and filming it and putting it online. Like just not even thinking about what that meant. Like it reminds me, there was some years ago, there was some guy who like, I think he posted on Fortune. On Fortune. Never looked at that shit. Glanced at it. Never looked at Fortune. But uh, there was some guy on Fortune who worked at Burger King or Wendy's or something, and he took photos of himself standing on the lettuce. He put the lettuce on the ground and, like, took photos of himself standing on it in his shoes. And it's kind of the same thing. Like, this guy wants to hurt people. He hates his job, and he wants to hurt people. But people tracked him down. They found out who he was and got him fired and probably prosecuted and that's what happened with this this TikToker who I think it was on TikTok, but he made videos of himself abusing the elderly that he was tasked with taking care of. I mean, you should actually get killed for that. You know, I, I say I I don't know how how much I mean that, but I, I just suddenly had the feeling of like if I don't know when my mom had her stroke, she had to spend a couple weeks after she got out of the hospital. She had to spend a couple weeks in this. It was like a rehab place for the elderly. And she was the youngest person there. And like they, they just teach you how to walk again. And her stroke ended up being not, there was, aside from some vision, some vision problems, like blurry vision, she didn't have any real lasting uh, 
it didn't really leave a lasting impact. But she did have a stroke and half her body for a time was a little messed up. And so they they were, they gave her a walker and like helped her, uh, you know, just get back on her feet, literally. And so I would go there to visit her and there were people with dementia. There were people out of their minds. Some of them were weird and they were mean. I think I mentioned on here, my mom was like, there's a guy here. He's, he's really, really old. And he's just in a wheelchair in the hallway all day. And every single person who walks by them, he just reaches out and slowly pokes them. And she's like, it's like he can't talk anymore. So all that's left is for him just to like his, his form of communication. I mean, I'm, I'm adding a little bit. My mom didn't say all this, but this was the idea. It's like his only form of communication anymore is just to reach out for, with his frail arms, reach out slowly and just poke at whoever walks by but I was thinking about a place like that, and it's like, if my mom was in a place like that, or if she had to go to a, if she had lived long enough and I had to put her in a senior home or something, and I found out that a, a guy had hit her, I think I would kill him, realistically. That fire would burn in me. I, I can feel it right now just talking about it. I'm like, if, if I found out that, especially because you're paying insane amounts of money, that's not the reason. I mean, you're not mad because of the money, but like on top of everything else, you're paying insane amounts of money for this care. And there's people there who will hit and abuse your loved one. I think I would kill that person. I think I would have no problem, even though I don't believe in murder, even though I, I'm, but I'm not a pacifist either. I don't believe in violence, but I'm not a pacifist. I know that there are certain situations where it just seems like you, you have no choice. And I think that's what I would do. I think, be, oh, you, you made a TikTok video slapping my mom? Oh, well, you're going to die from blood loss coming out of your throat. You know, like that, realistically, who, who can argue with that? But I mean, those are senior homes, which are a form of institution. And like that's the concern is that institutions seem to bring that out when you're taking care of somebody you don't love and when you have other issues you'll abuse people people do it to children that's kind of on the same level to me you know yeah it's not it's not a sexual crime but it's kind of like the idea that like oh if someone molests your kid everyone most people understand why you would and really should have the right to to kill them that's just one of nature's laws. If someone hurts your child deliberately, it's open season as far as I'm concerned. Just don't get the wrong guy. <laughs> you know, Just don't make sure it's not a false accusation. But uh, it's the same thing with seniors. It's like, because old people become kind of like babies. And that's, that's probably why they get abused sometimes too, is it's like the old person's fussy and they have tantrums. And, uh, but I think like abusing the elderly is kind of like molesting children at a daycare or something to me, not, they're not the exact same crime, but to me, it's like, it makes me feel something similar to think about that. But if there's some way, I mean, it, it, there's gotta be some way cause this doesn't work. What's going on with people on the streets doesn't work. And it's not like they should all be institutionalized. It's that people who are continually disruptive should be people who can't function. And, you know, I was talking the other day about how like everything becomes conservative, how now just being gay is kind of conservative, like just being good old gay, good old gay, just being good old gay is kind of a conservative idea, like not identifying 
as one of these new emerging identities and being like, I'm just gay. And what happened to just that? You know, that's kind of a conservative thought now. Meanwhile, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, a conservative thought was like, hey, you know, being gay is not natural and uh, it's got no place around here. Whereas that was the like the conservative thought then, but now it's kind of like, I'm, I miss just good old gay people. That's kind of the conservative thought these days. Everything has a chance to become conservative. And I kind of feel that way sometimes about homeless people. Like there's a guy... Uh, just right down the street from me, it's by the woods, it's by the Rite Aid near the woods, the main intersection kind of down the street from my house where I go to the store every day and everything. I go to the store every day. There's kind of a little row there. There's there's like several benches and those benches have just been taken over. You can't sit on those benches. All day, every day, someone's sleeping on those benches, or even if they're not there, their stuff is there. Those benches have just been claimed. Those are homes. Those, those benches now belong to certain homeless people, and the person using them changes over time, but there's usually a, the same person using it. They kind of claim it. I don't care. I don't use benches to begin with, so it doesn't, it doesn't bother me, but it, you know, it's there. And those people are, aren't disruptive at all, actually, and that's the point I'm getting at is that there's an old guy, for example, he's, he's what I would call a traditional hobo, a tr you know, hobo, you know, I guess it literally refers to train hopping guys, but, uh, you know, hobo, homeless, whatever. This guy's more of like a traditional hobo though, where he's got a, a, you know, gray hair, a white beard. He just got a bunch of stuff like a suitcase. He might as well have a knapsack, but one of these benches has belonged to him for I don't know, I would say most of this year. And he's always just asleep. I don't know, I've seen him and his friends, you know, hanging out there, but like, he's almost always sleeping. And he, he's not disruptive, he's, he's not, he doesn't cause any issues. He's just a guy who obviously, he's obviously a drunk and he has issues, he's homeless. But it's like, I've never heard him even make a peep. And it's kind of like, oh yeah, that, and that was the sort of homeless person that you saw years ago. Like growing up, like going to Seattle and stuff, that was kind of like the traditional homeless guy. And if you were to ask somebody at that point, like in the 90s when I was growing up, if you were to ask somebody, you know, like draw a hobo, draw a, hom draw, draw a homeless guy, chances are they're going to draw a guy with, with a, a, a white beard, a, a gray beard, and he's going to look kind of like this guy. And it's funny because we end, like, I, I think we're at a point now where when we see a guy like that, we're like, oh, that, that guy's totally fine. Because every town needs its hobos. Like, every town needs its homeless guy. Like, the town I grew up in didn't have an issue with this, but there was, like, one guy. There was one guy in town who was the homeless guy. And he didn't cause any issues, but you just saw him, and you were like, oh, that's the homeless guy. It's like every town needs that. And I, I feel like we're at a point now where it's like, that's conservative is to be like, we need the homeless. We need a homeless guy, but he's got to be the traditional homeless guy. And I think everybody would prefer that kind of guy. Like, if I'm walking down the street, if I'm walking... Because th this area with the benches, each bench has been claimed. And I consider it kind of like my neighborhood's Skid Row. Yeah, it's not... I've been to actual Skid Row in LA. And that's... It was insane years ago when I went. It's, it's obviously... There's not uh, cardboard castles in the road. It's not Skid Row, obviously. But it's like, just for this area, it's Skid Row.
But like when I'm walking down there and I see just like that guy, the guy with the gray beard, I'm just like, oh, whew. I don't have to reroute. I don't have to think about it. He's just going to be there. And that's great. But some of the other guys, I'll see him standing around down there and I'm just like, fuck. They'll be screaming. They're wigger. They're, they'll be like deranged wiggers screaming. Irish w schizophrenic wiggers. Homeless wiggers screaming. And I'm just like, fuck. That's like the, the progressive homeless guy. That's, that's what homeless people look like in a progressive world. They're dangerous schizophrenic wiggers with their pants down, screaming. And it makes you go, like, I miss, I miss the homeless people. I, I miss the traditional homeless people. It's like uh, people use that. I hate every buzz phrase, buzzword. Like when people start saying trad for tradition, anytime you shorten shit, fuck you. Anytime you shorten shit to stupid things like that, like when people start saying trad, you know, for tradition, traditional, like people who have decided to kind of role play as people from the, from generations past. Not that there's anything wrong with living that way, but just when, when you make a show of it, it was, people have been calling it trad for a few years. Oh, that's trad. Oh, she's a trad wife. It's kind of like people, people who, most of those people too, they're li they were liberals who became conservative when liberalism went off the rails. So I understand where they're coming from, but I, I just hate the way that sounds. Trad. Oh, she's trad. But these people, like they're trad homeless people. I think there's a lot of people where they're like, I, I just want trad homeless people. I don't want to get rid of the homeless. I just want trad homeless people because everything can become conservative. With time, everything becomes kind of a conservative thought in the face of progressivism it's kind of funny i had that thought because i'm like i do i have this sense of relief when i'm approaching an area with a bunch of homeless guys especially when it's an area where like i never really know if i go there after 10 if somebody's just out of their mind or is going to approach me or do whatever but when i see that it's just like an old dude with a beard i'm just like whoo it's a it's a traditional homeless guy it's kind of how i feel but uh, every, yeah, everything has a potential to become... I mean, you see this with music. I mean, you see where, like, you think about death metal, where there's, like, traditional death metal. Like, when I got into death metal, you know, it had been around for over 10 years, for sure. And uh, by that time, there was all this crazy stuff. There was all these, like, hybrid... There was all these Frankensteins. I mean, by the time I got into death metal... By the time I got into death metal, there were like free jazz death metal bands. It's like, oh, dude, these, are, these guys are so good. They're, they're death metal, but they're influenced by free jazz. Like these stupid hybrid Frankenstein ideas. These mules. Oh, we can breed a donkey and a horse and it'll become a mule. But a mule can't breed any further. That's my take on like creative hybridization. Like people who think it's a great idea, like I can combine this and this. To me, it's kind of like... Uh, it's like creating a mule. We're like, yeah, you can create this novelty. And maybe that has its place. Like mules have their place. But you create this novelty out of uh, pieces of something else. But it just ends up being that and it can't reproduce further. You can't get any ideas out of that. Like as someone who followed music closely for most of my life, I never saw those ideas go anywhere. Like free jazz death metal. I never saw that go any further. 
I never saw someone take that idea any further. Like, where do you go from there? It's just a novelty and it, it can't breed further. But by the time like I was into that stuff, there was a lot of like tech death metal. There were a lot of hardcore bands trying to sound like death metal. There were a lot of people doing stupid shit. And I liked some of it at the time. I liked some of that stuff. I, and, and what that was, was like, I was new to it. And uh, like, I was impressed simply that somebody could do it. Like, I think, like, I do like technical death metal. As I've said before, the be like literally the best show I've ever seen in my life was Deeds of Flesh in 2001. I had never heard them before. I went with my friend Death Metal Tom, rest in peace, I went to high school with. I've talked about him on here before. But Death Metal Tom and I went to some show. It was a bigger, a bigger death metal band was headlining. I don't know who. But Deeds of Flesh opened as a three-piece. Which is interesting because like technical and brutal death metal and all that almost never see one guitarist with all that crazy tech stuff they're doing on the on the fretboard you almost never saw those bands with one guitarist like you know if they're even if they just have one guitarist on recordings who does multiple tracks usually he's gonna usually they're gonna have a live second guitarist at the very least but what was interesting about deeds of flesh is they were just a three-piece and uh, it was the best show I've ever seen. It was amazing. After every song, the main guy, who I think died, just just like yelled like, fuck yeah, look at this Seattle dude. It's the best fucking place. And during the entire show, there was this guy who must have been six foot eight, this tall, thin guy who looked really normal. But he, I, I never, and I, I went to a lot of death, like every death metal show that passed through Seattle in the early 2000s, I was there. I, I didn't see this guy any other time. Like there were certain people like, you know, Seattle had, you know, virtually no real metal scene. So you tended to see the same people at every show. I didn't know him, but I'd be like, oh, that guy. But uh, this guy, I'd never seen it. I never saw him at a show before this or after. I noticed him right away because he's, he's standing above the crowd. This guy was like six foot eight, really normal looking, didn't look like a metalhead. And he, he had bought a Deeds of Flesh shirt apparently before they played and throughout their entire set, he was standing at the front, holding it up at them. He was holding it up like a banner. Like he was, he was facing them though, you know? He was holding their shirt up at them. And you know what? Normally that would be a thing that is kind of rude. You're six foot eight and you're holding up a shirt. You're blocking the band, dude. I didn't feel that way at all though. I was like, this is awesome. This, I, I feel like something's going on. This, this tall freak is just holding their shirt up and like with his arms and everything he's probably like like think about how high that shirt was with him I, you know do i know he was six foot eight i'm guessing but he he was that tall he was one of those guys where like he's not because you see people who are six foot five and you're like that person's tall that's a tall person but it's not necessarily distracting but like there's a certain height I don't know if it's six foot seven or six foot eight. Maybe it's six foot six. But it's weird how like between six foot five and six foot eight, somehow it seems like a huge jump. Like where if you're six foot eight, you are instantly noticeable. And you probably live with the burden that everywhere you go, someone says, gee, you're tall. Gee, you're tall. I've heard tall people say that they hate that.
how it's like people just feel the need to like say that out loud to them all the time. This guy was like that though, where like I went to the show and I was like, gee, that guy's tall. But holding that shirt up, like that's, he's like six foot eight. You know, everybody knows I'm, I'm bad at math, but he's six foot eight. And I don't know what his reach is. He's probably got like Michael Jordan wing arms. There was that fame. I had it. There was a famous poster of Michael Jordan in the early nineties. It was a horizontal poster, which is interesting. And it was like a life-size poster of Michael Jordan's wingspan. And it said wings. It was a very popular poster. This guy had Michael Jordan wings. So, I mean, he's holding that, uh, he's holding that shirt up. I mean, is that, what is that, eight feet? Is he, is he holding uh, maybe, maybe more? This guy could be holding that shirt like 10, 12 feet in the air for all I know. I don't know how, I don't know how long his arms were, but it's like point being like it normally you'd be like, that's rude. You're blocking the view. But instead it was just like, this is fucking amazing. You know, cause that was the thing too, is it, it was very popular to, for people to like, to mock anyone who wore, uh, wore the band's shirt. Like when they went to go see a band, if they wore the shirt of that band, it was considered uncool. Like I had a group of friends and they'd be like, oh, that guy. Like somebody wore a band shirt to the show of the band they were seeing. And like my friends were making fun of them. Like, oh, he's that guy. Oh, look, it's that guy. I get it. You know, it is kind of dorky. But in metal, it doesn't matter. Like that that's kind of like a punk rock mentality. or That's like punk rock and indie rock. Like thinking about what's cool or, or uncool. Like, oh, what are the politics of wearing? That's what that is. It's like these are libs. This is like a lib way of thinking. Which is, uh, like, the politics of whether or not to wear the shirt of the band who you're going to see. Whereas, like, people who were just going to see Rush back in the day, they wear a Rush shirt. I'm going to see Rush with a bunch of people who love Rush, so I'm going to wear my shirt, my Rush shirt, my Rush shirt. Is that a Rush shirt? Rush shirt. Hello, my name is Rush shirt. Rush Limbaugh, it's short for Rushert. But no, people would wear their Rush shirt because they love Rush too. And that's just like part of the experience. You saw that with like hard rock and rock and roll and everything. Like once once band merchandise became a thing, you wear you wear the merchandise of the band you're going to see. It's like wearing, you know, a football, sh it, it's like going to a football game and wearing a jersey of the, of the football team you're going to see. That's what people do. You go to a Seahawks game, everybody's wearing Seahawks merch. Nobody at a football game goes, oh, you're that guy? Oh, you're wearing a Seahawks shirt at the Seahawks game? Oh, you're that guy. Nobody says that at a football game. You would never think about the politics of that. You would never think about the politics of whether or not to wear football merch to see the team, <laughs> to see that team play. But because uh, music is pathological and because uh, music is pathological, it's like people develop these politics over when and how and where to wear the band shirt. But that, you don't see that in metal as much. Like metal was more just like, I'm going to go see Nile, so I'm going to wear a Nile shirt. I'm going to go see Iron Maiden, so you know, I'm, I'm going to wear an Iron Maiden shirt. It reminds me of something Miles told me. He worked at this Mexican restaurant for a few years here in Olympia. And so he's... As you'd expect, he worked with a bunch of Mexican guys. And he was talking about like what they do on Friday night. And he's like, yeah, you know, every Friday night, they, they're just like, we're going to go to the club and have fun. 
and they go to the club and have fun. They're like, we're going to go to a nightclub and have fun. And they go to a nightclub and they have fun. And it's so funny to me because it's like the people we knew, like they're going to go do something and then like analyze the politics of it. Not the actual like politic politics, but just like every time I've gone to like a club or something with a group of people, it's like they're never having fun and they're like analyzing everything. So it's like I, I totally got what he was saying about these Mexican guys were like, they just go, I'm going to a club tonight and, and we're going to have fun. And that's just what they do. And that's like the metal thing. Like, we're going to go see Nile, so we're going to wear the Nile shirt and enjoy it. Whereas, like, this other group of people, this, like, indie rock, like... Because the, the people I'm talking about, they were, like, indie-type people. But it kind of came... I think it kind of came out of punk rock. Where, like, the idea is, like, you don't wear the shirt of the band you're going to go see. So, like, these people are, are seeing a band they love, apparently. Or their friends like them or something. But they're going to go see this band that, in theory, they like... And they're sitting there judging people, making fun of people for wearing the shirt of that band. Why should it be any different than a football game? Why should that be any different? And metal even takes it a step further where the band themselves will wear their own shirt on stage with no hesitation. The band will wear their own shirt. Like metal's very uh, like assertive in that way. Metal's very assertive in that way. It is, though. Metal's very assertive in that way where, like, real, like, like people who aren't just hip, people who aren't just, people who are into metal for just pure reasons will think nothing of that. Yeah, I'm going to go see Deeds of Flesh. The guitarist was wearing a Deeds of Flesh shirt on stage. And the fans were, too. So that's kind of what I'm getting at here with, like, this guy holding up a Deeds of Flesh shirt. Like, you would never see that. Like, I went to a, this is crazy. I went to a Bright Eyes show. In like 2001, 2002, probably 2002, I went to a Bright Eyes show. All my friends were into that shit. All my friends were into that shit. And I, you know, and sometimes, you know, that, that's a thing. When you have friends, it's like, they're going to the Bright Eyes show, you know, I'll go check it out. Like, I'm open-minded. But, uh, you would, like, I'm just trying to imagine like a six foot eight guy at the Bright Eyes show holding up a, uh, a bright eyes t-shirt the entire set very triumphantly because that was the thing the guy's posture was everything like super tall and thin holding up this shirt triumphantly like victory you would never see that at these fucking hey 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 you would never see that at these indie rock shows you know you would never see that at the these indie rock shows because that mindset well because it would just be fucking funny to see that for one, it would be so goofy and funny to see that. But the other side of it too is that because all these indie rock fans are sitting there looking at each other and uh, being like, oh, it's that guy. Oh, he's, he's wearing the shirt of the band he's going to go see to show his respect. How fucking dare he? And they don't, they don't sound like that. They would probably be using that upspeak voice I'm talking about. But it's just a funny little thing there where Deeds of Flesh holding the t-shirt, what we call holding the t-shirt. Something got me on Deeds of Flesh, I don't remember what. Best show I've ever seen. I don't know, I don't know. I've got to wrap this up. <laughs> we're almost. I wanted this to be 20 minutes and now we're at almost an hour. Uh, but back to the voice physiognomy to close this out. 
tie, well, I'll tie that into metal. Where if you're into metal, you, you don't really hear that voice. There isn't one metal fan voice. Like, like I've known tons of metal fans my entire life, and there's not one voice. There's not like one voice that metal fans have. There's some stereotypes. Like there's the old Hesher voice, the Stone sort of Hesher voice. But in general, there isn't really one metalhead voice. But uh, you certainly don't hear certain voices very often. You know, there's no common voice that I can think of, maybe a little bit, but uh, what you don't hear are certain voices. Well, like, you don't hear that upspeak voice. And if you do, you know that's not a true metalhead. You know it's not a true fan. You know that guy's a fucking hip poser. If a guy's talking about black metal or death metal, and he has freaking, like, a high-pitched upspeak voice, it's like, yeah, that guy's not a real fan. That guy's, that guy's into this for the wrong reasons. You know, that's kind of my take, is you don't hear that voice there. But voice physiognomy, it's it's the sound of someone's voice. It's the words they choose. Science hasn't caught up to this. I can promise you, in like 20 years, they're going to release, some, some university is going to release a study where they're like certain voices are, are associated with certain personality types, which are associated with, with certain political beliefs, which are associated with certain uh, word choices. There's going to be studies that prove me right, but we just know these things. And, and this is the stuff that gets you. This is the stuff that like, it goes back to preference, where like the same voices don't bother everybody. The same words don't bother everybody. And I was talking about like, you know, what, what a preference is last night because of that whole sexual preference, fake controversy where the powers that be decided that the term sexual preference was offensive out of nowhere when it like, it's just a fundamental misunderstanding, a deliberate misunderstanding, but still a misunderstanding about what a preference even is where you don't choose to prefer things, but you still make choices based on your preference. You don't choose what your preferences are. I mean, I went, I went on about that enough. But it's the same thing for voices and stuff. Like, I didn't make a conscious decision to not like certain voices and certain words or to associate those with something. It's simply my preference. And uh, just like I believe in physical... I mean, physical is kind of built into it, but physical physiognomy, physical physiognomy. But just like, you know, there's a very real physical side to that that I believe in. I don't know that I would be able to nail it down into an exact science, but there's something to it. My intuition at the very least knows what's going on with that. If I see certain faces... I kind of know, I can kind of predict, not, not with perfect accuracy, but I, I can kind of guess what that person's going to be like. And, and those people, because of their faces, or not because of their faces, but their faces are a symptom of something greater that makes them predisposed to being a certain way. I believe that's 100% true with voices. And I think voices are actually easier than faces. Because a face, you know... You know, you, you have more control over your voice than your face. And I think maybe that's part of it. You know, yeah, we, we're born with a certain voice, but I think you have more control. And I think your, 
your voice is more influenced by your environment too. Because I think with a lot of these people who take on these voices that I'm talking about, it's very much socially enforced. It's the reason, you know, Madonna has a British accent or had a British accent. Everyone said it was fake, but if she was living in England and spending all her time in England, maybe you mimic other people. Women do this more than anybody too. Uh, where when they're talking to somebody, they start to use the same manner of speaking and, and the words that that person uses. We all do that. But you take influence. And there's something about us that when we're talking to somebody, if we want to get along, if we want to be agreeable, we start to kind of match their tone and their manner of phrase, their manner of phrases, their manner of phrase. So I think that leads to all this. I think that, that helps lead to all this. But why certain people tend to, why it tends to attract certain people, I don't know. I just know that it does. This land is mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children can run free.